up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green back with Inside the Green Room, brought to you by Jack in the Box. My whole co-host Harrison Sanford, and we promise you guys we'll be back if we won after the first round. And here we are. Yes, indeed. And uh, you know, there are some people who might have been talking a bit crazy after game one of round one, but that's we'll we'll discuss that later. We also want to discuss uh, that big NBPA meeting that you were in uh, this past week or last week, rather yet that kind of put the games on hiatus again. Uh, but first and foremost, I think you just watched the video of your former teammate, Fred Van Fleet, uh, welcoming his kids into the bubble. Uh, you getting a little family envy? Man, it's beautiful, man. Uh, it's so dope to see guys reunited with their kids and how much the kids miss them and love them. Um, so I said, I only got dogs, so I can't imagine. Um, you know, and, a fia- and a fiance. Yes, and a fiance. I mean, she's going to be here, but I'm yes. not going to be able to see my dogs. Um, so I can't wait to see her, of course. I'm sure guys will wait to see their, their families and wives and girlfriends. Uh, hopefully, it make us all play better. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it was beautiful to see, and I am getting a little envious of not having ones of my own. But soon enough, man, I get enough practice in. Uh, soon enough, I'll have some little ones of my own. So uh, during a press conference last week, you mentioned that you wished, and as you alluded to just now, that you wish dogs were in the bubble. So, yeah. Danny, you are this is year eleven now, right? Yes, year eleven, 11 years. Eleven years in the league. Uh, the team rep for, in the NBPA for the Lakers. None of that hey, matters. bro, did you flex your muscles a little bit about <laughs> these dogs? Or you, I don't, you didn't, I don't you didn't have do any right. juice, bro. Don't have any <laughs> juice, bro. Um, we've talked to a couple people about it. A lot of guys have their dogs or pets as emotional support animals. Coos. Some people have their dogs here, and they have you know houses with their parents, people outside of the bubble. They're just trying to bring them in for like an hour a day, but. Couldn't get it done, man. Um, hopefully, I said we pushed through. It. We've been here this long. We got to hopefully, if we keep winning, another month and a half. Uh, but I do miss my guys. Uh, but excited, said to see our loved ones. I'm excited to see my fiance um, and everybody else's families here, so that we can all feel kind of a little bit more at home. For sure. Uh, for those who are not going to watch this on Spectrum Sportsnet, we're actually going to speak with Taylor Rooks from Bleacher Report, who actually uh, also doesn't get to see her family members or bring anybody into the bubble. She's going to allude to that and a number of social justice topics that uh, she was covering while down there in the bubble. Uh, But speaking of being in the bubble, Danny, uh, and we'll talk about your performance in the first round, uh, but one of the, I think you were very transparent uh, when you spoke to the media, the first press conference after the hiatus had stopped, and you alluded to how social media can be, particularly being in the bubble, because that's the only uh, outlet to the outside world. You can't uh, go to a restaurant after a game, which you might like to do, or you, as you said, you can't go see your dogs after a game, or just walk along, walk down the street or among side, quote unquote, normal people. Um, mm-hmm. How have you? I assume you recognized how uh, skewed your vision is of the world being inside the bubble, and then how have you processed? trying to take in all of the stuff that comes from social media, particularly when you were going through that cold streak? For sure, man. Um, I try to see everything from all perspectives, man. I understand it. not just um, you know the situation I'm in, but the situation everybody's in. There's not much else going on around the world. People are watching basketball. There's not much else to watch. I mean, there's other sports starting to get back into it a little bit, but they're a, a huge focus on what we're doing what we're, how we're playing. Um, so you know, a lot of people are tense inside the house, so they take it out on us half the time more than, I mean, more than a time, more, more times than none. Um, but my nana, my, my nana used to say, you know, people are going to talk shit about Jesus and Muhammad. What makes you think you're safe? Um, so I just try to block out the noise, man. Um, anybody that's negative comes across my page, usually just block them or ignore it. Um, but, you know, just try to stay focused and, and you know, have their words and encouragement from my teammates, my coaches. Uh, keep playing basketball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, especially playing a big market, you got that's expected. You know, they're going to. They're going to talk crazy about you and talk crazy to you. You know, people call it cyberbullying, whatever. You know, there's so many ways. To, there's so many. That's the nicest way to say it. You know, people just like to talk shit. But they like to tell you in professional sports is the only job, I think, in the world as athletes, you know, where people are going to critique you, you know, I mean, publicly. Um, you know, where people come to your job and heckle you. There's not many jobs you have in the world where people are going to come out on the outside and heckle you or tell you how to do your job. Um, but that's why you get paid the big bucks. You know, you get paid to... You know, not just, you know, perform, but able to be on that platform, be able, you know, be mentally tough enough to withstand all those things and, and fight through it. Um, you know, so hopefully this next series, all of us can, you know, we, we hadn't played great basketball uh, for a while. We had a couple good games in the in the, in the the first round. Um, but hopefully we can build a rhythm, play better, you know, block out the outside noise, uh, continue to push forward, push through, encourage each other. 
and um, have fun with it, man. And, and you know, so not focus on the negative and the, the real fans. You know, shout out to the real friends that stuck with us when we were down on one. Uh, shout out to the real friends, uh, whether we're playing good or not, are still by our side because um, those are real ones. And we know you also you know who your true friends are. So some of your true friends will have your back, you know. But some of them will still post memes and talk shit. You know, that that's what they do um, when that happens. Like I said memes are cool and all, it's funny and all. But when and when it comes to you, you don't see me, you know, doing that to you. So why would you do that to me? Um, and if you're a true friend, you wouldn't, you know, post something for a laugh, which uh, is cool. But, you know, I don't take it to heart, but you just know where you stand with certain people um, and certain fans. So uh, when it's all said and done, hopefully in October, if we continue to play, the way I know we're capable. Um, you know, we can tell those fake fans, you know, to go somewhere and, and do the you know, you know, we won't invite them to the parade. So um, <laughs> even though there probably won't be a parade because pandemic, we have to do something virtually. But um, if we are to win, you know. I can you know give those 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 fake fans uh, a couple fingers that they might not like too much too well. I'm sure that there is a, even if there wasn't a real parade, an official parade, if Lakers fans get a title, I'm I'm sure they'll find a way to, to push something. Of out. course, man. Uh, bandwagon. Yeah. You're not real fans. You're just bandwagon fans. You're only fans when things are going good. So those aren't true fans. So the and I and I recall that makes me recall the one thing that uh, Fred Van Fleet said last year when you guys were going through it. Um, mm-hmm. you I think it was stay over there. Yeah, if you like that, that side, right? stay over there. Uh, it's it's interesting because you know I I've known you for a while and so but there's a balance and I know there's a part of you that kind of likes it. Like for example, Tim Kluge, a high school basketball coach, very hard on you. Um, mm-hmm. Pop very hard on you. So there's some things you're going to see on social media, and I, I'm curious to see or to know which, like, there has to be some posts that actually are negative about you that you actually might use as fuel as opposed to just completely block it off. Because I, I, I would like to think or like to know or assume that negative commentary to a certain extent does actually fuel uh, your motivations on, on, on top of being motivated yourself. For sure. Um... I remember, even back when, I remember all the teams that passed up on me, all the tweets, all the people that doubted me, even to this day, um, and especially now. So you know who your true friends are, you know who your true uh, fans are, and guys that you might show love to you in your face when you see them say what's up, but behind your back talking trash that are other celebrities or celebrity athletes, whatever it may be, uh, which is cool and all, but you know, you hear those negative thoughts, those negative statements, those definitely help with that chip on your shoulder. It only adds uh, some more fuel to the fire for you uh, to prove them wrong, you know, to, as they're doubters now too, but, um, you know, and my coach has always thought I played better when I was mad, and that might be true, um, but sometimes, I mean, I might need to, you know, write those statements down and put them in my locker and read them before the game or just watch them before the game because, you know, that does get me, you know, my skin or, you know, I guess a lot of emotions boiling, um, but I will use that, um, as motivation to hopefully you know make them eat their words, um, you Can know. You, but I would say in the day, my focus is on our team and trying to win games. I don't try to go out as an individual and say, "Oh, I need individual points. I need to do this, do that." I try to use that and, and still stay within our game. But um, definitely, a couple of those things definitely stick out in my mind where I will never forget those. And when I see those people, I know how to interact with them when I do see them. Do you? Can you recall? <clears throat> excuse me. Can you recall a playoff game? Or a big game, whether it was college or you know professional, and as you alluded to, sometimes some of your coaches have said you played better when you you're mad. Can you identify one of those games, one of those performances? I can't give you a specific games, um, but I do know throughout my career in high school, Cluses it was hard on me, tough on me. Um, Pop was, and Coach Williams they were all hard on me, tough on me, um, and just made me motivated. You know, not just for one game, but for a season, for a month. Or just be focused, more locked in during that time. So, um, you know, and I like Frank. And Frank is just too nice sometimes. Um, I'm not saying I wish he would be harder on me, but I know that there's times where he could be, you know, honest a little bit more on me, uh, give me more of a task or more of a challenge, so that I can step up to the challenge. Uh, but I think he tries to, you know, especially in regular season games, he tries to save me some, tries to see how my body is. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm be okay, man. You know, don't worry about it. I think I can handle this. I can get this done. Um, you know, I'll step up to the challenge. Just, just challenge me sometimes. It's okay to do that. Uh, but he's a great coach, and we have great teammates, and they're encouraging. Uh, LeBron, Bron, Bron will challenge you. Uh, some of our guys will challenge us, and we need that, you know, just to have that edge, that a little bit fighting us. Um, but you know, especially for the next round coming up, it's only gonna get harder each each round. And uh, but I have full faith in us. I, I think we can get you know uh, four wins in the next round. 
uh, whatever comes out of it. Uh, it'll be a test, but I think we're capable of set, being the last team standing, but we have to play up to our ability, and I think we, we can do that if we just trust each other and, and build on you know each game. Uh, and now let's actually refer to those games that you, you were referring to and how you guys were playing. Uh, by the uh, Game 5 obviously was an anomaly. Dami- uh, I think Frank Vogel said uh, that it was a mental challenge with Damian Lillard not playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look back uh, from Games 2 uh, through 4, and even starting back from Game 1, uh, the defense against that unit, C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, Melo, having flashes here and there, or even more than flashes, if that's not how you want to categorize it, uh, have to be, I think all Lakers fans, NBA fans, have to be impressed uh, with the defensive ability and effort that you guys put forth in that series. I think they appreciate it. I don't think they're impressed by it. Not many things you can do to impress L.A. fans. Um, um, unless I said it's a blowout win, then they're excited about it. Uh, but they're always wanting a blowout win, which is tough. Uh, but I think us in our locker room, our coaches and our, uh, were impressed by us. But first and foremost, I have to give a big shout-out to Portland Trailblazers, man. Those guys came from you know down a couple games outside the playoffs. And to have a guy who has a fractured back in CJ, um, Nurkic, who came back from a damn near season end injury uh, and come back and play heavy minutes right away. Also, the passing of his grandmother, if I'm not mistaken, uh, played during that time. Mello, a guy who was out of the league for damn near a year, um, come in. And Dame, you know, what he's done, it put that team on his back. It's very inspiring, man. It's amazing. So big shout-out to them. They played their asses off. They were the hottest team in the bubble. They came in, and they gave us a hell of a fight. Uh, in game one, they had, you know, the world shook. They had us shook. Um, but, I mean, we, we were very confident in ourselves. But big shout-out to them, man. They played ball um, from start to finish. They had to play every game in here. was a playoff game for them from start. So that's, they might have ran out of gas. Uh, unfortunately, that's probably what happened. They didn't have enough in the tank to keep that energy or keep that flowing throughout the series. Either way, it's still a dogfight. Um, but defensively, yes, uh, I know our team, what our team is capable of, even though with the loss of Avery, um, he's for, you know he's great for us picking a full court. But I think we have the, the bigs at the rim that protect it and the guards, bigger guards, that you know can you know do well on the perimeter uh, to have a, a give us a chance where we're shooting good or not. Um, and there's times, we a lot of times, we were not shooting good as a group, uh, especially myself individually. So we're trying to find that rhythm as a group. I'm trying to find that as an individual. Um, but the way we play defense, we're giving ourselves a chance to actually win games, um, whether we're, we're hot or not. So that, that's always an upside. It's always a great um, outlook of it, positive outlook. Um, but at the end of the day, we are going to have to start making some shots because there's going to be teams we're not going to be able to beat um, just by slowing them down or stopping them. Uh, Houston makes a lot of threes. Clippers, they also, and they said, OKC, they, they, they play at a fast pace and shoot a lot of three. A lot of the teams in, in this league are, are living, by, living and dying by the three ball. Um, but they're living very well from the three ball. So we're going to have to be able to score some and also be able to make some shots from the perimeter uh, to be able to be um, said last team standing. So when I look uh, when I look at how AD performed in this series, and I think and you mm-hmm. and I have talked about it before, I've had some conversations with some guys on the coaching staff as well, it felt like this was the AD. Obviously, he's always been a great defensive player, but offensively, I felt like a lot of things unlocked for him in this series. The mid-range was spectacular. The step-backs over Hassan Whiteside, uh, over Nurkic. You had, then he was, it seemed as also, too, he was getting the ball on the go, uh, being able to attack the rim. Offensively, we already know where AD stands, and I'm pretty sure uh, you weren't too happy about him not getting Defensive Player of the Year. But from an offensive standpoint, uh, how would you evaluate what AD did? And obviously there was a bunch of talk I mean, he did ex- uh, about how he could potentially fit offensively with JaVale McGee on the floor, and it looked like it didn't matter. He was he was spectacular offensively all series. He was, and he did exactly what we needed him to do and what we needed him to be. Um, but he's a mismatch problem all around the league, and that's why he's so good. Uh, for fours, he's too big. For fives, he's too quick. And when they're t- playing too big, Hassan and Nurkic, they're great defenders. Hassan is a very good defender, arguably one of the top defensive players in the league at the rim and blocking shots. But when he's able to, you know, he found his rhythm, being outside, using the speed. And our best offense for us is transition. So, you know, playing half court is cool and all. We're good at, you know, posting him up, posting Braun up, and Braun picking apart and, you know, finding defenses, finding seams. But our best offense is when we're out and running. Uh, so when we had those two bigs, and we, we had an emphasis to try to run and get him out in the floor running and also giving him space. So when he got the space, he's able to get a rhythm, find a shot. You know, they, those bigs are not comfortable guarding him out in the perimeter. So he's able to have more space and use his handle and get into a flow. Um, and once he got that going, man, it was over for him, those curtains. And he's the main reason why 
uh, that series turned around for us. So in the time that I spent uh, when I was in Ohio covering the Cavaliers, uh, I used to, it was interesting always watching LeBron, and I'm sure you know this, having played against him, play, having played with him. There's the mm-hmm. days where uh, he's still a dominant player, uh, playmaking, he's still scoring, and then there was the days where he feels like he is unstoppable, and a lot of it is because he approaches the three-point shot with a sense of free will, just taking them at his leisure, and it feels like there's a different, it's a different type of LeBron when he feels like, I'm going to take the step-back three-pointer, or I'm going to take it from near half court with 18 seconds on the, on the shot clock, just because I can. And when he <laughs> does that, it feels like it adds another level of fear for the opponent, and it feels like LeBron's confidence in his jumper, all of a sudden, it really starts opening up so much more. Uh, how would you evaluate how LeBron looked, particularly after game one, where he really started to take uh, rev up his three-point attempts? Man, um, fear is not the... I mean, a, I think they already fear him. When he starts hitting that jump shot and he starts playing over the top, it's pretty much they're giving up hope. They're just like, oh, fuck, what do we do now? We can't do... You know, it's because he's so good at getting to the basket. He's so good at attacking, getting downhill. And if he's beating over the top of hitting threes and he starts getting comfortable and getting that rhythm, there's not much you can do. You're not blocking a shot. Mind you, said you have to respect his drive, you have to respect his speed and strength and his athleticism. Um, so it's harder to just, you know, press up into him. Uh, so when he's doing all those things, which he did for us, you know, two through five, um, he was at unstoppable. He's one of those guys, he gets into that zone. There's not much they can do but put their hands up, you know, give him a couple claps, pat him on the back and say, well, shit, we gave it our best. You know, we're probably going home if he continues to do this. So you know, I've played against them, and it's been like that, and I've played with them, and I know how it is for teams when he hits those shots. Those are those are draining daggers, regardless of what point in time of the game it is. It could be the first quarter with 12, you know, 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Guy hits an 18, you know, 34-footer or, you know, a half-court shot, or they go, we go on a nice little run, and he ends the run and caps it with a, set of, a, a six feet behind a three-point line type of three ball. You're like, damn, it's going to be a long night. And at that point, you're like, shit, I don't know if we're going to get this game. So and he's he's finding his rhythm and finding his stroke. And he has, you know, three or four threes already added up into the game uh, before halftime or, you know, start of the third quarter. He's already got four in his pocket. Um, you already know it's going to be a long night. And you're probably not going to end up, you know, with the win that night. Scary player when he starts. He's already scary. You're right. And then when he starts doing that, it really is uh, curtains for the defense. Just hands up. Shit. All right. We got it. We're going home, man. Fuck. So, uh, can you actually tell me? I know, obviously, you played LeBron, so let's 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 dig into some of your expertise here. Uh, what were the conversations like with Greg Popovich back in 2013, 2014? Uh, what was his sentiment uh, about guarding LeBron, particularly when he starts going off from three? Was it the same way, or how did I mean, that go? We we guarded him as if he wasn't going to go off from three. <laughs> um, so we played him and D Wade as if we we're going to make them beat us over the top. We know he likes. D-Wade loves to reject the screen. He loves to spin move. He loves his backdoor cuts. Uh, don't let him get to the basket. Don't let him get to the rim. Make him shoot and make him shoot over us. Make him shoot jumpers, deeper jumpers. Make him shoot three. Make him beat him from three. And obviously, there's some games where they, they would come out and not make any shots. And then the next day, those guys are Hall of Famers. They know exactly what we're doing. They're like, you know what? we got to step up the challenge. They're making every damn shot they took, whether it was a hand in their face or not, whether it was from three or from two or from pull up. And then we're like, damn, you know, we did what we, the game plan was. If they're doing that, it's going to be hard, hard to beat them because we can't t- take away the jump and they're going to get back to what they're good at. It's just at the rim, backdoor cutting, spin moves, rejecting screens. Then it's going to be over for us. So we have to live with them trying to beat us over top. If they do beat us from over top, then you have to, you know, give them two claps, pat on the back. And, you know, hopefully, you know, next game we come back and they miss some shots. But we have to obviously on the opposite end of the two, make them play defense and execute and, and you know, try to beat them as well. Um, you know, try to outscore them at that point because that, you're not going to stop them if they're making those shots. So we alluded to LeBron a, a, as a basketball player, and, and we've had Jalen Rose on the show, and he talked about LeBron's efforts with the More Than a Vote campaign. And it's been a tumultuous time in the bubble most recently uh, in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting um, and the fallout after that. Uh, LeBron had a has had a voice in terms of voting rights and we see the Staples Center is now going to be used as in a polling uh, facility in a bunch of arenas around the league, thanks to the efforts that you and LeBron have put forth and the rest of the NBPA. Uh, can you describe uh, LeBron's involvement uh, in that uh, much-reported-on meeting and the follow-up after that and, and being an ambassador uh, for what would see, many would seem as the right thing to do as it, refer, as it pertains to uh, voter suppression and things of the like? 
Oh, his voice was huge, man, in that meeting, um, but in a great way. Obviously, you hear the talks of he talked for this long and it turned players off. That's not what happened. Um, but he spoke up when he needed to speak up. Uh, CP spoke, Iggy spoke, Jalen Brown spoke. Like a lot of guys spoke up when they needed to speak up um, and let their voice be heard. Melo, uh, Damian Lillard, a lot of guys, CJ McCollum, uh, a lot of guys spoke up when they needed to. And he, obviously, when he speaks, people listen. Um, and we made sure before we got to that meeting, we had our own team meeting each time, and we wanted to make a decision on everything and let it be known, you know, if we're going to play, these are the things that we need to have happen and get done. And big shout out to you and Amjad. Thanks to you guys. We had a couple great ideas across the board that we could bring to the table to Chris Paul and let him know. And that was one of the main things he brought um, to the meeting of the bigger crowd before we cut it down to just player reps or a couple reps from each team and actually ask for it from the owners. Um, and that was, you know, opening every arena to make them voting polls. And, and, you know, that's one thing that teams and arenas and owners are already trying to work on in certain cities. Um, so, you know, that's a win for us, and we're trying to get that done, and hopefully other teams follow suit. Uh, NFL, MLB, you know, women's basketball, WNBA, soccer, uh, all the way down the line um, where people start opening up their arenas or, or places of where they play at to be voting polls. Uh, since it's such a, a big thing right now because voting suppression is real. Um, so that was one of the things. And there was a couple of things across the board, but he made his voice very much, very much well heard when it needed to be and, and spoke for the players, especially when it came to talking to the owners. And obviously, Mike, Michael Jordan, uh, was part of the owners talking, and he, he kind of led the wave as being a black owner uh, of, you know, trying to hear our side and trying to work with They're all very supportive, don't get me wrong. Um, obviously, Mark Cuban, um, uh, obviously, Mike was, uh, who was the other main ones I'm trying to think of that was uh, speaking on behalf of the owners? Uh well, Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle led the charge when it came to coaches. Doc Rivers led the charge when it came to coaches. When it came to owners, Michael Jordan, uh, Clippers, Clippers owner, Steve uh, Ballmer, Steve Ballmer, uh, Ricky, Miami owner, spoke a little. They all split sense on the genie was great too. Genie Bus was great when she was speaking of it. Steve Ballmer uh, said Mark Cuban. Uh, we had a couple of, uh, of great owners speak up uh, alongside Mike uh, to to lead the charge and actually try to work with us and try to get things done on our behalf so it was good to, to hear them speak and, and hear them have our back and feel you know the support from them in terms of trying to get things done and things change during this time even though we're still trying to compete for a championship you know and obviously with everything that happened with the bucks uh having the strike and you not having idea of being woke up in the middle of a nap and not really knowing what's next uh i know that it was a real thought uh, for you, that the season might not come back at one point because, from my understanding, your fiance pushed back her flight a day because she didn't even know if the season would be happening. Obviously, she's trying to get there to, to, to spend time with you in the bubble, and she at one point decides, oh, maybe the season isn't happening. Maybe I'm going to Florida for no reason. Uh, the, the flights were set on certain dates. It wasn't her flight particular. They were already set is for the team to leave. Um, but they were up in the air. They weren't sure. She was like, well, should I start packing or not? Because, you know, certain families were coming on the 29th. Some were coming on the 31st. And luckily, this is previous before that happened. Um, some families are already in quarantine. But, um, yeah, so they were up in the air. They weren't sure if it was going to happen or not. They were going to come not. They were like, you know, let us know because we need to know if, if I need to pack or not if you're coming home. Um, so, yeah, it was very up in the air. We woke up from that and trying to make, you know, big decisions in a short amount of time, which was kind of crazy. Uh, luckily, we had some time and guys got some good things done. I got a chance to talk without emotion and get um, like hostile and, and actually come into some type of conclusions, some agreements and things that we need to get done and ask for. Um, you know, the proper steps moving forward. We had good guidance uh, with our coaches, staff, everybody around us, owners, um, and I guess them reaching out to certain people outside sources, um, outside the bubble, which gave them some good advice. So um, you know, I'm glad that we got some things done and got it done quickly. So... Uh... Obviously, you, there's a there's a list of three things that you guys have been able to initiate with the NBA between the MVP mm -hmm. and the N NBA. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that didn't happen, and I know this is a source of uh, dissatisfaction for some of the players, is not being able to establish more days in, bet in between games. Because what mm -hmm. has happened uh, with the way the NBA the TV schedules kind of worked out. Every other day there's games, so there doesn't really seem to be much opportunity for you guys as a collective to meet because everybody's playing games. One day you're practicing, resting, the nut, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. I think the beautiful thing about this impromptu strike was that it really was the first time 
where all the players that were at least remaining in the bubble could actually meet all at once in one place and actually get some things uh, down and, and some directives that you want to move forward with. Yeah, that was the, the, the blessing in disguise. Um, even though we didn't have much of a plan, we weren't as prepared as we wanted to be, but we got time and we actually got a chance to actually meet as a group, which we haven't been able to because games every other day, they're trying to get us in and out of here as soon as possible and not extend the season longer than it has to be. We get it. Also, we have, you know, TV things in, in place. Um, we understand that. We don't want to, you know, mess up the TV deal. Um, but it's important. We know since we got here, the, the reason we're coming here, not just for basketball, the main, so the biggest reason was that, um, you know, focusing on social injustice, focus on police brutality, focus on all the things that need to happen and change around our, our world and in our country, some of it in our backyard. Um, and we haven't had a chance to talk on it. Um, and we tried to change that. Uh, mind you, said it was important, but it wasn't the main focus. We know we can still, now having that break, we can find ways to still communicate. And obviously some teams are no longer here. Some outside the bubble, and teams working outside the bubble for us too and with us. So that helps as well. Uh, the teams that are no longer here are gone. They can they can be, you know, having meetings, Zoom calls, whatever needs to be happening, and lead the charge. Um, so, yeah, we got the things that we need done, voting polls. Uh, we got a board or a coalition, a justice coalition, to where they can oversee, overlook things when this does happen, if it does, which will happen again, which is unfortunate, uh, to take action right away, um, you know, and, and to get ads out on TV during our games to vote and, and make sure that it's out there. And we're trying to get uh, that be seen as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, we got a, some good things done in a short amount of time, which is great. And obviously not everything we asked for is going to get done, but, you know, we, we got a good amount of it done. And hopefully said the teams that are not here or the teams that have time can lead the charge with keeping the conversation going and, and staying focused on those things. And so us getting that board uh, will help that, too, where we don't have to meet all the time and every day. Uh, but uh, at least focus on having us at least a couple of meetings throughout the week to be able to um, converse about it. I must say, and, and I've spoken to a number of people about this, I feel sometimes, I feel, sorry might be too strong of a word, but I feel sorry that you guys have this responsibility. It's almost been thrust upon you because you are a select group of African-American men in America with money who have visibility. Uh, and so you, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're being given this platform and given this almost responsibility to speak up on things that... Sometimes, to be frank, you're not you're not obligated to be educated on, and so Some of us a have lot no of... idea about it. But we are we're now we're obligated to be not just basketball players but be politicians as well, um, and it's tough for some guys. But you know, it comes with the territory, it comes with the job, um, it comes with the face, it comes with the platform. We get paid the big bucks, and the reason why we got the TV deals that we have or the money that's come in the way it has is because um, you know we're looked to more than than the others, um, and said so the people follow suit of what we do. Um, so yes, a lot on our plate. Um, it sucks, but that's what that's what they you know kind of pay us to do. Obviously, we're paid to be basketball players, but that's not, that's not just our job here. We're here to be um, obviously inspiring young the youth. Um, we're here to be you know I guess role models that too. But now you know we've always been here to to be the face and the voice of our communities. Um, and now we, so we have to speak up not just for our communities but all the communities around the world and said somewhat be politician. So um, it's tough, but, you know, I don't think it's anything we can't handle. Speaking of which, uh, Frank Vogel uh, alluded to it in a, a press conference uh, after leading into Game 5 against the Trailblazers. He said, you guys have a Ph.D. in handling adversity. And uh, judging by everything that's happened, not just in the NBA, not just in this world, but specifically uh, for your team, the Lakers, uh, I imagine that statement is pretty true. I know they don't give out actual diplomas for that, but man, uh, the things that you've had to juggle uh, emotionally, physically with COVID and everything and all those type of things that have been polluting this world, um, I, I have to commend uh, you guys for being able to handle all of it. And I, I assume you kind of agree with, with Frank's sentiment. Definitely. And I've, we've all been through some stuff previous this year. Guys probably had a PhD with coming, getting out of their, their neighborhoods and, and making it to Division One level, making it to the league and being in the league, you know, eight to ten years. We have a lot of vets in our team. So guys have been through plenty uh, enough to have a PhD. But this year alone has definitely given us our master's degree and, and be able to handle adversity. So um, when it's all said and done, hopefully it's all worth it and we can come out, um, you know, on top and actually be able to celebrate. But either way, um, I know that whatever we do, 
we'll be able to make change and make a, a big staple in history for the better. All right, all right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Jack in the Box. Order your favorites like Jumbo Jacks, Curly Fries, or two tacos all day, every day using their mobile app, drive through or delivery. We're back with more Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford, and Cheers. I guess it's really not inside the green room. It's more inside the bubble. Some of the best reporting from inside the bubble has come from Bleach Report slash TNT host reporter Taylor Rooks. Thank you for joining us, and I hope, I hope, that you're saving a bottle of wine that, I, that might be back there for, for us at some point. Oh, absolutely. This is like once the bubble's over and you know, maybe Danny wins the championship, we, we pop it and that'll be our celebration. There we <laughs> go. For sure. There we go. Appreciate you joining us, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure. I mean, obviously it's refreshing to see you around the bubble. Um, you know, today marks, I think, the end of some of the family and friends quarantine and some are on their way at the uh, quarantine. Uh, tell the people how your experience was quarantining and are you disappointed you're not able to bring someone in for you as well? Oh my gosh, of course I'm disappointed. I'm like, what the heck? Like media doesn't get like one little person that can enter into the bubble. Um, but no, I get it. Obviously you guys are the priority. You need to have your foundation around you if you are able to I understand that. Uh, but quarantine surprisingly for me, like wasn't that unbearable. Like it was just seven days of like reading some books, watching some TV, revisiting old movies. So I enjoyed it, but I also was quarantining at home anyways. So I was used to just being in like a cage um, to try and stay as safe as possible from COVID-19. But yes, I miss my love and my loved ones, but I leave the end of September. So 30 more days and I'll be able to like see my family and all that good stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people that have done the quarantine were, I guess, worried about how the food would be and i told them you're going to be overfed they feed they send a lot of food yeah um, so the presentation that might not be great but it's not bad food they give you a lot of it um, yeah yeah mentally emotionally the health wise i don't think seven days is, is tough we did i think two when we came here i do an extra one because they messed up the test me and dwight's test came back uh invalid uh, so we do an extra day but, yeah um, for those of families that came in that do seven days here but some that came from the markets did three at home, which is a little easier to do, and four days here. So mm -hmm. some of them are on the way here and doing their four days. But yeah, it can get a little bit antsy in that room. And some guys were going crazy when in the room for two or three days. So I can imagine seven days yeah. would be a little different for you. For hey, sure. Hey, and something like kind of similar happened to me, sort of. My first test that I took was a false positive. Yeah. So like I got here Sunday, took they, the test. Monday, they're like, you had, I was like, what? But I mean, I was shocked because I got a COVID test right before I came. I got COVID tests and antibodies. They're both negative. And I'm like, how the hell do I have COVID now? Mm -hmm. You know, turns out it's false positive. It's fine. But so my first like couple days were incredibly eventful. So my quarantine wasn't boring at all. <laughs> I was, but I'm happy. I'm obviously safe and healthy and I was able to leave. Yeah. Hey, Taylor, uh, Danny, before you get your question, Taylor, who okay. does... Danny have to talk to to get I know he's getting family members and he's getting his fiance there I know you're not able to but who does Danny you know who does Danny have How to do talk to, in? to no 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 okay. yeah that's that's actually a good question now that you think about it, how you get co-workers in but but I'm thinking about actually Danny's pets who does he have to talk to to get his two dogs into the bubble it doesn't seem like it's too big of an ask Honestly, bring your dogs into the bubble, Danny. Also, if you want to bring a snake or two, please feel free because the snakes will be amongst friends. They'll I have seen home, huh? so many lizards in this place. A lot of reptiles out here. <laughs> yeah, there are so many. And it's funny. I'm not even kidding you, Danny. Sometimes when I see the lizards, I like think, oh my God, Danny, because of how much you <laughs> love reptiles. Yeah, me and Dwight, me and Dwight come to mind. But um, Yes, for sure. A lot of us are struggling without our pets, man, our dogs. Obviously, we, we miss and love our friends, friends and family and kids and our wives and girlfriends. Uh, but we won't get a chance the opportunity to see our pets, um, which, you know, it's, it's very, I mean, we get it. You know, you guys aren't allowed people in our coaches, which is kind of crazy. They're not allowed to have wives or girlfriends. In, so yeah, so that, crazy. That's the toughest part. I feel bad for them because they're in the same situation, the same sacrifices as us they're uh, making. So uh, I feel for them. But um, yeah, it would be a lot lighter bubble if we had some pets in here. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. And then like everybody can just hang out with their pets outside. And then if y'all are outside, I could come hang out with the pets. So it would really be a way. And dogs really are like emotional support. Some people really do have their pets registered as emotional support. So nothing makes you happy. Yeah, see, nothing makes you happier than just like being around your pets, you know. So I miss my dog all the time. I have a white lab. She lives in Georgia with my mom. I didn't feel like it was fair to bring my dog to New York when she has a big house in Georgia and a big backyard instead of being in my little one bedroom apartment in Manhattan. But I miss her all the time. Taylor, uh, I've been, I think a lot of the NBA family has been uh, thankful for your presence there. Uh, Obviously having any journalists down in the bubble is is key to telling the stories that are what happening, but particularly in this moment uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement and things along those lines, social justice. uh, I'm always intrigued and I'm I'm very, happy with what I've seen, but I I imagine as a journalist, it's a challenge because you have to tell the stories of the games. And at the same time, you have to tell the story of what's been happening outside of the bubble with social injustice and the players' impact on that. How have you been able to to manage that? And and if you could describe the the challenge that it is for, you know, maybe a potential journalist who's kind of maybe listening to this podcast or uh, watching the show and trying to understand how you find that balance. Yeah, for sure. Well, first, thank you for the compliment. That's very nice of you. Um, I think that for me, I have always felt like my responsibility is to Black people and to women. Like, those are the two things that have always felt incredibly paramount to me. And one of the reasons it's important to have Black people in this space is because for so long, it was really white men telling the story about Black men when it came to sports. It was white men telling the story about Black men and also, you know, Black women. And it's important to have people telling stories about experiences that they too identify with or that they too have gone through. And I think we, I always say sometimes I do feel like it's easier for players talk to, talk, to talk to me because they feel some sense of familiarity. Even if they don't know me, you know how like black people, we just kind of like, we're like, you know what I'm trying to say, you know, like that's just a thing that is like kind of like this innate language that I would say that we, we have with one another. And I think that in a lot of ways that has been to my advantage when I'm interviewing people or when I'm asking questions. And the the moment that always sticks out to me here in the bubble was uh, Fred Van Vliet came and did his press conference and it was right after Jacob Blake. And he's very like visibly emotional and not talking about basketball at all. So he didn't want basketball questions. He only wanted to talk about Jacob Blake. And so obviously people are throwing a bunch of questions at him about the situation. Like, what are y'all going to do next? Or like, you know, did you guys have a meeting, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I just wanted to ask him how he was doing. Like, nobody asks just like, how are you feeling? Like, because I know this is something that's really heavy for you too. And I think that it's just, I try to look at it as my job is to convey like their emotions to people and not necessarily just like this stuff that feels super grabby. So I try to do that in press conferences. I try to ask questions that will evoke meaningful responses um, and real responses um, and try to do that with my reporting as well, just because everybody in this bubble really is in the middle of history. And the best thing that we can do is tell this historical moment in the most accurate, but also most thought provoking way possible. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough scenario and situation for everybody in here. Um, just going through a pandemic, being in a bubble, being away from your friends and families and loved ones, having to perform and play a game. Um, also looking at us to save, kind of save the world in, in terms of, or, or our country, uh, in terms of, you know, trying to get things done off the court. And that's the biggest picture or the main reason why we came down here or the main reason uh, that a lot of us, I guess when the deal was done, part of that, of us, you know, get coming down here was, you know, that they focus on that. And somewhat, sometimes along the way it gets lost. Um, sometimes, you know, we have just game after game after game and, um, you know, have a chance to talk about it, you know, a chance to meet about it and things are just happening so fast. Um, you know, luckily Milwaukee took a stand, we followed suit and we had a chance to actually, uh, you know, refocus on, on what the bigger picture is at hand. And we said, you don't know what things are going on with certain guys. Um, I've been talking to George Hill um, and some of his people are the same people back in Texas. Uh, but meaning to, you know, Chapel, I know he's going through it a little bit. So, you know, not just having to play and perform on the court and get criticized from that off the court, but, you know, everything outside of that to, you know, your loved ones, your friends, your family, 
to the social injustices, the cases that are going on, and the things that we're supposed to speak on. Uh, it's never easy. Um, but, you know, end of the day, basketball is basketball. We know that, and obviously we love to compete. But, you know, we're going to be black men forever, and we have to continue to speak up, to help our communities, uh, to address the media, and be very cognizant of what's going on in the world outside of our bubble. We'll try our best to help going on outside, even though we're not there, try mm-hmm. to be a presence and try to be a voice for those outside of the bubble. Um, for sure. Every media availability, we try to speak on it. We try to bring awareness to it, and we're trying to make changes as we're doing that. And also, at the same time, try to compete for a championship, which is not easy. But it'll get easier as our, our friends and family and some of our you know, wives and girlfriends enter the bubble. It'll make mm-hmm. it easier, but it's still not an ideal scenario or situation. Uh, we have so many things on our plate um, while trying to say compete for a championship. Yeah, no, and it's it really is a lot. Like, it's such a layered experience. And I keep on telling people, like, I hope there is just somebody who is, like, way smarter than me doing some type of, like, case study on this bubble, like it really is a social experiment. I mean, you have obviously the pandemic going on. So in a lot of ways, it's a scientific study you could do in the bubble, but also this is such a controlled environment. Like how does it really affect play? Is somebody looking at maybe the differences of like free throw makes here versus like regular season? I I kept saying to myself, it would have been cool to see Ben Simmons play more because I wonder if we see him take more threes when it's in this controlled environment versus when there's a pressure of being in a crowd. Like there's so many things that you could be watching from this bubble. Also, obviously the meetings that are happening inside about people wanting to take a stand. Like this is just, this is, there's never been anything like this for there to be one little radius like in Florida that has been the epicenter of so many things like history really is got to look back on this specific moment. And like, I guess, Danny, this is a question I have for you. It's, I asked Doc Rivers this. I also asked LeBron this. I, I said, you know, in years to come when history is talking about this bubble, like what story do you want history to tell about this moment? Man, it's so crazy because as of recent, so many people have passed, so many iconic legends uh, we've lost in the past week. It's unbelievable, let alone this past year. Um, and myself and a lot of my friends and a lot of guys on my team have just been reflecting and thinking about how we want to leave this earth. Um, and this is a big part of the you know, history of where we can make a mark and make a statement. And, and have we done enough or reached our full potential to help in our communities or helping people off the court? I would say basketball is great. And I remember you for how you, well you performed, accolades, achievements. But none of that really matters to us once we got here and we reached this point. Um, you know, what really matters is, you know, obviously our friends, family, loved ones, kids, uh, what we, what kind of legacy we leave behind, but what kind of mark we leave on those around us, our people, our communities. Um, so, yeah, the, our biggest focus right now is trying to make, take advantage of this moment in history and try to make the right proper steps and do what's right, regardless of what the situation is, money, we don't care about the money at this point. We don't care about, obviously we love to play the game, but we don't care about playing the game. Uh, we want to, you know, leave our legacy and leave it behind and, and make sure that the future for our kids, our children's children, children, you know, are going to be safe and have a better place to live in, um, you know, so to speak. So um, I said, it's a lot of things that we're, we're thinking about, a lot of things that we're trying to handle and juggle while we're in so many variables change, um, you know, on the court and off the court of, of how we're operating. Um, and you can see, you know, I said, we had those meetings this past couple of weeks or so. You can see the tense, uh, just the hostility because of how guys are so antsy. Guys have been locked up here for you know, two, two months. Um, not having a normal type of their normal lives um, and just having to juggle so much. Guys are kind of fed up with a lot of things and just fed up with how things are going on outside the bubble in our communities and our world and still seeing it. You know, these police not even um, aware of what's going on in the country. You're still shooting first before asking questions or even trying to you know, stop people or apprehend them in different ways. Uh, so, you know, everybody's just mostly tired and drained. Shout out to mm-hmm. all those guys that spoke up, um, especially yeah. Jamal Murray recently. Um, had a hell of a game and his you know post-game speech or his post-game interview was all about what's going on outside of our bubble and for our people uh, as a youngster he's so mature and, and very smart and uh, very well aware and I said I commend him on speaking on it and using that opportunity and that platform yeah. you know to bring it back to what's so important yeah and hey. that's the thing like when I watch I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off here no no you got it you got it um watching Jamal and you know I have so much hope about the future of this league because the younger guys really are 
in front of a lot of this movement. You know, Jamal Murray talking at the end of the game yesterday after the big game, he made it about his shoes. It featured George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. That was important. Also, his opponent on that during that game, Donovan Mitchell, has been so vocal. We saw him do things like wear the bulletproof vest to a game that had a list of names of people who were killed due to police brutality. Like we also see someone like Jalen Brown who drove from Boston to Atlanta just to protest. Like just this younger core group of guys are going to play such a big role in what the future impact of the NBA looks like. Because I think sometimes it's easy to think like, okay, once Braun leaves, once Chris Paul leaves, once Melo leaves, once these guys who have been so vocal for so long are gone, like, is there still going to be this focus? But now I know like for sure, like this next wave of stars and the next wave of superstars believe in it, you know, as much as those other guys too. So I think that every NBA fan should feel, should feel very good about that. Yeah. When you look around the country, you kind of lose hope when you see certain people in offices, but when you look around our league, you know, I'm very hopeful and I'm Mm -hmm. proud of the young guys. And I think our league is in very good hands. instead of these young stars coming up, um, not just on the court talent wise, but off the court. They are smart individuals and they're taking care of their communities and they're taking care of business the way they, sh- they need to and the way they should and doing it the right way. So, so I commend all those guys. Yeah. DG, I think you, when we spoke, you mentioned that Jalen Brown was a, a big voice during that MBPA meeting. And mm-hmm. uh, again, salute to all the younger players who are getting involved and, and, and making sure their voices are heard. Uh, DG, at the same time, uh, did you tell Taylor how you felt about her or how you felt her presence should have been at that MBPA meeting by any chance? Did I tell her how I should have? Mm-hmm. Remember we talked about. Uh, uh, the- um, we did. We did. I, 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 and I mean, her presence probably could have helped. Um, yeah. You know, just the room, a room full of males, a lot of testosterone. Um, there's going to be some, you know, hostility. There's going to be some tension. Um, DG really wants the media in the meetings. He's tired of the leaks. Just put him too. in there. <laughs> Just well, give you, know, you guys I mean, a closed circuit television feed so you guys there's, hear there's it. There's many angles. <laughs> Obviously, we have Michelle there. We needed more women's perspective. Would have yeah. been nice. But for us to have these private meetings, it, it makes no sense when it gets out before we even get out of the meeting. Um, for sure. I'm, well, I'm, re- I'm reading what's going on before. I'm like, how the hell? My homies are texting me like, yo, DG, is this going on? I'm like, how the hell do y'all get this information? And yeah, I'm also <laughs> be in the meeting. I'm like, they might as well be there. There's no reason for having meetings if. Everybody in the world already knows it before. Make it a press conference. Well, we were definitely getting like, you know, there was people tweeting very real time updates of that first meeting. And I mean, granted, I broke the story of everything that happened between the owners and select members that were did that call the next day. Uh But to your point, though, and I, I don't necessarily know if this is a secret, but I talk to a lot of guys in the league very often about the different things that you guys could do. They definitely do try to get the perspective of the black woman, which I think is an incredibly necessary perspective. Um, But the more that, you know, if you guys are in a meeting, you're talking about what can be done next. You have to have people that represent the intersectionality of all things. You know, maybe the things that I go through as a black person are vastly different than the things you go through as a black man. Not even maybe, I know they're different. You know, like we have gone through life being seen as different things. So there are needs for this community that maybe you guys don't recognize, not because you're intentionally trying not to, but because you literally haven't experienced them, right? So I do appreciate the players who do call me. I have had talks with players probably once a night throughout this whole time. People calling, what do you think of this? Would this work? Like all that's important, NBA and NFL, right? I really do try to always offer as much as I can. This is a thing that I have for quite some time dedicated a large chunk of my life to. It was like the advancement of black people. That's something that is very, very important to me. And I think it's important to use your voice for that. To your point about the media being in meetings, like this is the gripe that I have with me, us. I say us meaning the media. Do I think that it is important to talk about um, the nuance and the communications that happen in those meetings, yes. I don't think it should have as much of a focus as it has had. Like for example, we're talking about like what LeBron said or didn't say in a meeting or talking about what Patrick Beverly said or didn't say in a meeting. We're taking the focus away from the change that is trying to happen. So while I see both sides, I'm also like, we don't wanna muddle up 
the message because we care too much about the drama. And exactly, instead of that, you know, that a lot of the negative is so. But I get it. I get people are like, well, that's part of the story too. I understand that, but I'm saying I, I do see the both sides of it. And I just don't ever want to intentionally contribute to that being the somebody, focus. yeah, that that being the focus. And you can mention so that's part of the story. And some of those, a lot of it, it gets leaked so fast. Y'all might as well be there, but and also y'all might as well be there so y'all can get the most accurate because a lot of stuff that's leaking is not the most accurate information. It's just yeah, for know, sure. When it, gets, when it gets passed down the line, somebody tells just like you tell somebody a secret and it gets passed down the line, that secret is not mm-hmm. going to be this what it was, and it gets to you know person number five. Like, oh, so-and-so cut off so-and-so and somebody cut somebody. I'm like, wait, none of that happened. Oh, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> it gets muddled up the more times like, that, that it's told, for 15 sure. minutes and everybody was turned off. I'm like, what the hell? That never happened. Like, what's going on? I don't know where people getting the stories from. But hey, you know, y'all, y'all run with I mean, some people run with it. Y'all listen. Some people actually believe in the actors. I'm like, come on. Like, well, the, the thing I will say, and I learned this a long time ago, is like, you can't beat the internet. Yeah. You know, like, you just, you can't beat the internet. And people feel like they want to believe the narrative that they want to believe and that's just kind of it but i think that the flip side not being would be the internet which is sometimes good but sometimes also really bad is nobody gives a fuck the next day yeah <laughs> yeah like literally <laughs> yeah so much other things going on yeah uh, nobody the intent the attention span people have is mm. so minimal like and that's why, like, and I'm sure maybe you have, or, like, experience with social media, too. I think the first time that you feel like you are in the thick of, like, social media jokes or being a topic of conversation or a trending topic, you think, like, the world is over. Like, it's never going to end. Yeah. But then you're like, wait, all you got to do is get to the next day. Like, I don't care about what anybody says about me or anyone I know on social media because it literally doesn't matter the next day. Yeah. Like you just got to go through that one hump yeah. and then you realize like, ah, okay. Like these people want to be negative. They want to be mean. Like, and it is not a reflection of you at all. For sure. And uh, you know, good parts of the meeting was, you know, the coaches were there. They had some good things to say. They did lead us in, the, in a, in a uh, on a good path. And a lot of stuff that they said, I, I respected, understood it. And, um, you know, I wish they would have stayed for more of the meeting uh, because they said they can cor- correct us when we're wrong, especially some of the young guys. And a lot of those coaches have been through it. Uh, speaking of Doc Rivers, he, he gave a, a powerful message uh, in one of his interviews. And he was there talking. A lot of guys, John Lucas, a lot of guys spoke. And they had been around. And they, and they fought through it most of their lives, you know, some of their careers yeah. beforehand. Um, so hearing from them and learning from them is huge. Um, and, you know, I've played for Pop, so hearing him talk for us, is always great, and that's one of the main reasons why I was, I was happy and proud to play for him, um, not just being a Hall of Fame coach and being successful in winning games, but because he fought for us and spoke up for us. Um, how are you seeing the balance, you know, of coaches um, with them trying to drive in the conversations uh, while trying to stay focused, winning a championship? How do you see, you know, guys like Doc, obviously Rick Carlisle, one of the top. Um, mm-hmm. How do you see them being active and trying to, you know, I guess drive the conversations around social injustice? Yeah, I mean, I think that the role of coaches really cannot, you know, be downplayed. They've been incredibly important. You know, you talk about somebody like Pop, and I remember talking to DeMar DeRozan once, and he told me that, like, they came into a team meeting, and the whole team meeting was Pop showing them videos of police brutality. And, like, or the next time they come to a meeting, and it will be, like, a documentary about an incredibly successful Black man. Like, he dedicates a lot of time, you know, specifically to that. I was talking to Lloyd Pierce on the phone a couple of days ago and we had to hang up because he was sitting in the car waiting to hear from Jacob Blake's dad. And he was trying to figure out what the coaches can do to, to advance that cause and give him more of a voice. I recently learned that Rick Carlisle played such a pivotal role in real policy change in Dallas. He got strangleholds banned in Dallas and not, he didn't even publicize it. It wasn't a thing that anybody even really knew. It was a thing that he felt was right and wanted to do. And now he's moved on to trying to get a ban on shooting at a moving vehicle. So like coaches have been such a big part of this. You mentioned Doc Rivers. I have heard that he really has emerged. He's like such this strong voice within this movement. He is always so good in the press conferences trying to convey exactly, you know, what people feel like, oh, that's important. The coaches, as I know you've seen them wearing like the, uh, the coaches, 
for racial justice um, pins, which has been important. They have been partnering with Brian Stevenson, who is the lawyer depicted in Just Mercy. Um, they've been partnering with him to figure out what changes that they can make to, to really make sure this is a long-term type of change and not just something that we're doing right now because we're in the bubble and there's a focus. Like coaches are a big driver in how to make this lasting um, and really like infinite, you know, for, for the rest of this country's history. All right. Cool. Well, we know we want to keep you for too long. Uh, Harrison, do you want to ask last question? Or you want me to ask last question? Uh, yeah, I, go ahead. I, I have like five more minutes. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, before everything that you guys have done, Danny has done as a player, speaking out on social injustice, you as a reporter, Taylor, uh, giving the news and giving the perspective of the players and the coaches and things of that nature has been great. But thankfully enough, as you said, we do have about five minutes. So let's talk a little basketball real quick. If we can. <laughs> okay, let's do uh, it. <laughs> Okay, we'll try to make it quick. Who do you got? Celtics, Raptors, obviously Raptors lost game one. I think I feel I know where Danny might be leaning for some allegiances purposes, but how do you break down that series? And then after that, how would you break down Bucks versus Heat? Yeah, okay, so Celtics, Raptors, I have said this the entire time that I think it is so crazy and unfair. The Raptors are the most untalked about defending championships like defending champs I have ever seen in my life. Like I get Kawhi left who's like, oh, they're not going to win, but they are the defending champs. And I feel like people don't discuss them that much. So I want to give the Raptors all the respect they deserve. They play as a team. I love Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet's having an amazing level. Raptors are great. I am though going to choose the Celtics in that series. It's just <laughs> like, all that being said. <laughs> they, all that being said, um, but you know, you gotta, you gotta get credit credits too. Um, the Celtics, they just have, so many offensive weapons. I mean, like Jalen and Jason are so good. Jason is a superstar in the making. Then obviously they have Kimba, who is such a big piece. You would think that, okay, because Gordon Hayward went down, it's a bit of a disadvantage to them. And that is true. And I wish speedy recovery to Gordon Hayward. I hate that he has had to go through so many injuries. The only thing about that is they know how to adapt to the loss of Gordon Hayward because they have had to do it before. Um, so I'm going to go Celtics for that one. Uh, Heat, Bucks. I'm, I, the reason I like hesitate on that one is like, for me, the Bucks go as Giannis goes. Mm-hmm. And if the Heat are able to throw a lot of bodies at Giannis, I mean, you have Bam Adebayo, who is a great defensive player. Jimmy Butler has never met a, met a matchup he didn't like. <laughs> you have Jay Crowder. I mean, if you can just keep throwing bodies at Giannis and, like, Chris Middleton doesn't have a good night or Bledsoe doesn't have a good night, I mean, I'm not trying to simplify it that much, but it's kind of like, well, that's just what you got to do. And if they're able to do that, like, I don't know. I, I don't instantly go bucks. Like, I think a lot of people pick the bucks. I'm not – I'm kind of undecided. I think I got to at least see one game before I <laughs> make my decision. Hedging your bets. Hedging your bets. That's That's what fair. about you, Danny? Do you do you oh, give your basketball man. take? I, I, I'll give my takes. I give my pros and cons, but I do not give my picks, especially okay. when the playoffs is going on. That's fair. I feel that um, totally. <laughs> and Toronto is one of the best teams I've seen play as a team out here in the league. They play championship basketball. Coach Nurse has done an amazing job of bouncing back with the loss of whoever and the guys have added. Uh, they played, was it Fred is having a great year, Pascal, Kalo, all those guys are having a great year. OG seems like Norm had a good Norm is having a good Norm year. Norm is too. having a great year off yeah. the bench. So they're amazing. Boston, they have a lot of, like you said, have a lot of firepower, a lot of weapons. And Tice is a big piece to that. And the young mm-hmm. fellow that's come off the bench for them, um, who's a big man, defensive player. Robert of the year. Williams. Yeah, Williams. He, he's stepped up. Mind you, you know, Marcus Smart is hitting some big shots with him. Uh, so you got Jalen and Jason rolling. You got Marcus Smart and the role players. And Kemba, obviously, a star playing well. But you got Marcus Smart playing well. Tice and, you know, Williams doing what they're supposed to do. It, it's tough to beat. So it's going to be a hell of a series. And I'm, I'm interested to see how game two goes. Yeah. Uh, Miami, uh, Milwaukee, going to be another tough series. I think these both, both these series might go to seven. You know, I think. They at least yeah. And I'm kind of hoping for that. Yeah, it's gonna be great basketball for everybody to watch. So these both these series will go at least six, seven games. So it's gonna come down to the wire. So I'm I'm interested to watch both of those. I don't have any picks, but it's gonna be some great basketball, man. Okay, I know you know know I'm rooting for though. Yes. Okay, I know you might not make a pick for this, but Jazz Nuggets has turned into one of the most exciting series. Like, would you pick that one? It's already in a game seven, or will you at least give pros and cons? 
I'll give you pros and cons. Um, okay. Taylor, you know how hard my job is with this process. <laughs> I'm like, ma- I'm like, maybe that one. It's like he doesn't have a dog in the fight. Like uh, <laughs> the, the crazy thing nope. is, I would have said, I would have said, I would have said Utah had them put away. From, yeah, like, there's a three-one, but I'm like, you know, Denver has so much they can beat them. I'm like, yeah, they don't need to pack their bags up. All they need is one game to turn this around. They got the one game. Uh, they bought some time. They got Gary Harris back. Um, unfortunately, they don't have Will Barton that firepower off the bench for them, but. They're a good team. And when mm-hmm. Jamal Murray's rolling like he is, and you got said Gary Harris back is another threat out there. Um, man, they have some good pieces. Jokic, of course, does what he does. That guy does everything. Um, but he does it so easily. He makes it look careful. You know, he looks lazy when he's doing it. But, it, you know, he, he can, he's going to dog. He's going to get you a bucket. Yeah. But, um, they have so many pieces, man. And game seven between them, oh, man, it's going to come down to the wire. I, I will say, though, pick. I think a lot about the next round. Like, in my head, I'm like, all right. Okay, who, who do, do I want Clippers to face playing? the Clippers? Okay, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I want to see the Jazz face the Clippers. I think that might be a better matchup for them. Yeah. Um, but I think Denver healthy would be a good one if they had everybody healthy. Um, so it's hard to say, but yeah. Either way, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a game, hell of a series, and the next series, whoever comes out of that series, is gonna be well prepared. Yeah. Um, and have a good rhythm to be playing against the Clippers. And good for you. You you get to be big chilling, watching the games. You're like, I'm just trying to figure out who I'm playing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean that happens. We got, we've been lucky in unfortunate situations. Yeah. Um, so we have to, tonight to wait. Hopefully, find out by the night. It would be yeah. nice. So we're not sitting for too long. Uh, but mm-hmm. big shout out to the fans that were still with us when we were down 0-1. Uh, big shout out to those who thought we were going to get Some swept. People tied up board ship already. DJ. Yeah, that was a. That was quite the day on so, Twitter. Some people thought we were going to get swept. Like, we're the number one team in the West. You think we're going to get swept? Like, I understand you think we're going to lose the series. Okay. Yeah, but to get swept. swept is very disrespectful. Yeah. Shout but shout out <laughs> no to those who stuck with us when we are down 0-1. Like, yeah. But um, it's going to be interesting. And we're, so we're looking forward to the next series, which we feel like each series we want to prepare us for the next one. You know, we don't want to play the easiest opponent. We want to play the guys that's the best. We want to play the mm-hmm. best and beat the best and say that, you know, we want a championship beating the best, beating the best teams. Yeah. For sure. No, I'm I'm excited. Like the basketball has been good already. I really loved the seeding games, but I'm just I'm so excited about seeing the second round of playoffs and watch this like high level. I love nothing more than a game seven. So I'm excited to watch Nuggets Jazz. So it's it's been good. I, I have no complaints about um, the level of basketball competition that has occurred in this bubble. Well, I'm glad it's helping Lakers- stay in the bubble. Lakers fans yeah. would think differently about those seeding games, but that's a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, we enjoy your time. Uh, everybody, should, you should follow her on Twitter, on Instagram, and yeah, you have a, a segment. Give a, give take a it plug. there, yes. Give yes, yes, for sure. Plug. Watch Take It There with Taylor Rooks. Danny is actually on an episode. He was so much fun. Him and Dwight, they got me to hold a bunch of snakes, <laughs> which was uh, the first time I'd ever done it, but it was so fun. Like, I would totally go back. I'm happy to say that I've officially done that. Uh, but yes, so you can watch that show. I also am putting out interviews very often um, that are spinoffs of those. They're obviously on the computer since we're in the middle of a pandemic. But follow me and you'll be able to see all the content, all the good stuff. Hey, Taylor, I know you've been doing your fair share of reading in the bubble. Yeah. Danny, I don't think Danny's been doing too much of that, but he has been learning Spanish. So... They, Wait, have you really? You, I've been taking a class. I mean, give me another month before I comfortably start speaking it somewhat fluently. But I do. Can you say goodbye to Taylor and to our fans? Can you tell them to tune in next yeah. time? Adios. Yo hablo español un poquito. Oh, un poquito. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can say adios. Adios. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Like two, yeah. two, two hablos conmigo. Two hablos See, conmigo. Okay. Can you have this conversation? I was saying, I was saying, you talk with me. Talk like, with let's me. talk. Yeah. yeah. I said we can have this conversation when people are not judging my Spanish <laughs> on air. But yeah, I can speak a little bit. Bien, bien. Yo I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, phrases I can give to you, Harrison, to say goodbye. You know. Okay. So, adios, nos vemos. Means see you, see you later, see you next time. Nos vemos. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of ones. Wait, hey, just hey, out of curiosity, hey, why are you learning? Just because you want to? I always want to pick up another language. Uh, I, I felt, love that. I, f- I kind of felt, I wouldn't say, yeah, I felt kind of dumb not having a second language. Everybody, in the, like a lot of the people, um, said, especially well, places I travel to, 
everybody knows more than one language. I always go to a lot of Spanish-speaking countries. Uh, mind you, I mean, this is further down the line. When I have children, I'm sure I'm going to want them to learn Spanish growing up. It'll be easy for them. Can't have them knowing Spanish and me not sp knowing Spanish and then talking right. shit about me. So, well, I will say, like, one thing I did to, like, brush up my Spanish, because I took it in high school, and I was, like, pretty good at it, and then I wanted to, like, know more and know it, like, semi-fluently. You should download Duolingo if you don't have that. Yeah, I've, I've done the Rosetta Stone. I've done Duolingo, but I've been doing Lingo Live. Shout out to Amjet, um, who put me on Lingo Live. It's actually a professor okay. who talk on a Zoom call. I actually have a class tonight at 9 p.m. We talk on a Zoom call, and we talk about 45 minutes. Oh, I love this so day, much. So. Yeah. It's been going yeah. pretty solid. I've learned some more. I just got to do more studying. If I studied more, I probably would have a lot more down sooner. And I've also been watching some TV series in Spanish, which helps. So Yeah, that's what they say. It's like if you immerse yourself in it, you, you will, you know, pick it up a little more. I want to get a bit better. I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but I maybe like if 100% is speaking it the way I speak English, I'm maybe like 40. Like yeah. I could survive <laughs> there for like for sure. a month or so. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, DG, just don't put out any classifieds or advertisement for a co-host who speaks Spanish because right. it's going to take you some time. Your ass is going to be gone. <laughs> That's funny. Appreciate your time, Taylor. Thank you so much uh, for jumping on and, and sharing us your thoughts. Um, you know, keep the, the fight alive. Keep letting people know. Keep fighting. Obviously, keep making your, your voice be heard, especially for black women, but our people. Um, enjoy the bubbles, Michigan. Hopefully, it stays still as, as good as it was from the beginning to the end, and you have good basketball. But uh, you know, have a great time. Hopefully, get back to your family and dog soon. Um, you know, enjoy the bubble basketball while, while, while you're here. Oh, well, gracias y yeah. de nada. Yeah. Uh, yo soy muy contenta. Uh, <laughs> no, I am very happy that you guys had me on the show. I had so much fun. I just, I love seeing. So many of you like delve into the podcast space and media space because your voices are so necessary and we just like need more of it. Like you're the voice you want to hear from. So love the pod. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you, Harrison. And also, Danny, keep going. Good oh, luck. I'll be watching you in the bubble. Gracias. Gracias. Adios. <laughs> Bye, guys.